want to say good morning to you. We are so grateful and excited that you chose to be here today. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome on behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here at Propel. We are so honored that you're here today. If you are a first-time guest with us, again, we'd love to connect with you. Be sure to stop by the New Here Lounge. But church, in person, can you do me a favor? Can you help me welcome every person tuning in online today? Super excited, glad you're here. I'm, uh, I'm pumped to be back with you. I've had the opportunity last week to sit and listen to some incredible communicators in-house over the last two weeks. And I was talking with somebody the other day in the lobby and uh, last Sunday, and they were like, Pastor, we're taking a lot of next steps lately, and you're right. So let me just tell you, two weeks ago when Tori had the opportunity to teach, we talked about discovering purpose. And the next step for you to take in that Sunday was that you would take the next step to go through what we've called discover. It's where we help you figure out God's unique design for your life. And then last week, Matt taught, and he taught us all on making a difference. And we talked about using your gifts inside the local church. So we talked about finding a team. This weekend, we're kicking off our 90-day giving challenge. Next week, we've got baptism. And then the week after that, we've got our group expo where we're kicking off groups. And so all of these things are taking place. And you may be saying, why in the world are we making so many decisions? And here's the reason why. We believe that decisions determine direction and direction determines destination. So most of us have this idea, this concept of wanting to do so many great things with God or, or experience the greatest relationship we've ever had with Him in a new year. But the problem is if we don't assess every individual decision we make, then we won't change our direction. If we don't change our direction, we don't get to the right destination. And so, yeah, you're making a lot of decisions, and today we're kicking off the 90-day giving challenge, which means today I have the privilege to talk to you about money. And sometimes when we talk about money in church, it makes people a little uncomfortable. I don't know what your background is with church. Here's what we know. Um, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. So uh, oh, before COVID took place, Tori and I, uh, for date night, we do date night every week. And for one of our date nights, uh, we went rock climbing. I know what you're thinking. You don't look like you climb rocks. You're right. So we go to this rock climbing place in Charlotte, and, uh, and, and they got these harnesses. They're just so uncomfortable. You put them on. They're not big people friendly. And so I get this harness on and I start climbing up this rock. And here's what I know about halfway up. I am so grateful for that harness because I'm about to just let go and free fall all the way down. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. And so I think sometimes when we talk about giving, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable because it, it, it deals with what really Jesus says fights for the affection of our heart. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, meaning that a lot of times the greatest way for God to get to our heart is actually through our wallet. It's through how we spend our time, talent, and treasure. And so I want to talk to you today about money and uh, believe that as we do it, God's going to open up our hearts and change us from the inside out. So before I talk about money any further, I want to give us a common definition of tithing. Maybe you didn't grow up in church or around church, so you don't know what tithing is. To tithe is to give 10% of your income back to God through the local church. 
And the reason why we laid it out really intentionally like that, number one, tithe, it means a tenth. So there's where we get the number from. Um, but it's first back to God. So tithing recognizes that everything I have comes from God. I'm not really giving it more as I'm returning what he first gave. And it's back to God through the local church. So we say it like this. You don't give to a church. You give through the church. Because when you give to a church, you may not give to God. We're giving to God through the church. Meaning, if I don't like what's going on in the church, it doesn't mean I quit giving. Because at the end of the day, it's God's money. If I go on vacation, it's still God's money. Tithing is giving back to God through the local church. And today I want to take you to a story in Luke chapter 9 beginning in verse 10, where you and I can pull out some biblical principles when it comes to money. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. you. All right, Luke chapter 9, verse 10, it says this. I'm going to read you the whole thing, so bear with me, and then I'm going to go back and break it down. Luke chapter 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the, the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds followed or found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to a nearby village and farm so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Then Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in about groups of 50. So the people all sat down. And then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I love this passage of Scripture. It's one of those, I would call it, top five miracles in the Bible. It's the one where if you grew up in Sunday school, this was one of those miracles that you could actually color. Because you, you start coloring like the story of David and Goliath. I was talking with a guy the other week, and he was like, we just got our daughter, our young daughter, a, a new Bible. And she came to us and wanted to know why we never told her about David cutting Goliath's head off. Right? There's some things as a kid... You just don't get to learn. But the, two, the, the, the fish and the loaves, man, that's the story. That's one that we can talk about. We can color that picture, and, and that's what we do. We talk about it all the time. But I love that the disciples are actually looking to care for the people just like Jesus is. They're not trying to heal them because Jesus really is the healer. What the disciples are doing is they're going, these people have been following us for a long time. We've been having church since like 3 o'clock this morning. Jesus, it's late in the afternoon. We're hungry slash the people are hungry. Let's send them away. We don't have the ability to feed all these people. Let's let them go. We'll end service a little bit early. We can eat. They can eat. It's a win-win situation. What the disciples do is they first identify a problem. And the birthplace of every miracle is a problem. At the beginning stages, when you identify a problem, guess what? There's a great opportunity for God to show up and actually do something. So these disciples see the problem, and they come up with a plan, but Jesus doesn't like their plan. 
If you've been following Jesus for a long time, you know that there's sometimes you come to God with a plan and he's just kind of like, no, I got a different idea. And so what Jesus instructs them to do is he says, you feed them. You take care of them. He doesn't say to to give more money or to do things because the disciples offer. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 13. He replied, you give them something to eat, they answered. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go out to Costco and buy food for all this crowd. That's the Nick Newman translation. So Jesus doesn't actually want them to throw more money at the problem. Oftentimes we think that more money fixes problems. It doesn't. It creates more. Jesus says you actually have everything you need to solve the problem that's at hand. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing this morning. God has given you everything you need to solve the world's physical problems. Now the term physical problems is important because money does not fix spiritual problems. The spiritual problem that every single one of us have is we are born into a broken and fallen world. And because of sin, we are separated from God. The spiritual bankruptcy of every single one of our lives can only be mended through the payment of Jesus Christ for us on the cross. However, I believe that God has equipped the local church to deal with the physical problems that the world has. Jesus doesn't ask the disciples in this moment to feed the people or to to heal the people. He says, just feed them. Deal with their physical issue. And the reason why this is important, there was an organization called Barna. Um, They do a lot of research when it comes to the Christian faith. And and, uh, uh, several years ago, they did a study and they concluded that everybody who claims to be a follower of Jesus doesn't tithe. If they'd asked a pastor, they wouldn't have had to do a lot of research, right? So they found this out, but then they said, hey, what if we, what if we did this? What if we took that data and we did some, some tweaking to it? What if we like, looked at what it would be like if every Christian in America actually did tithe? And what they concluded was that if every Christian in America tithed, it would add $165 billion per year to the kingdom of God. $165 billion. And the reason why I'm telling you that the, the local church can meet the physical needs of people is because it would take around $30 billion to end world hunger and preventable diseases. It would take $15 billion for everyone in the world to gain access to clean water. It would take about $12 billion to end illiteracy and about $1 billion to fully fund missionaries all around the world. Which means in one year, we would have a remaining balance of $107 billion. Right now, our world is arguing about whether the government needs to bail us out or not. And I'm telling you, I don't think we need a government bailout. I think we need the local church to step into the place that God positioned it. I think we need the local church, the body of Christ, people who claim to be his followers, to trust God financially to say that he has given us everything we need to do all that he's called us to do. The local church is designed to not just be a hub and a house of healing, which it is. But if you look at the church of Acts, you look at when the biblical community actually thrived, it's because when there was a need in the community, the church just took care of it. Like, I'm so grateful for your generosity. I'll tell you this, and I said this at the 9 a.m. I 
I forgot to tell you already, but I'm just going to tell you now. I'm not doing a message today because we need your money. I don't care if you give or not. I think biblically, you should. And I think as your leader, if I was going to coach you into following Jesus the way, like I think God lays it out, giving is a big part of that. But we're not doing a money on a message on money because we need money. You'll notice I don't ever teach on money when we need money. I, I'm real quiet because that's manipulation. So I don't teach on money when we need money. We teach on money. We do the 90 day giving challenge every year. You go back and look at the calendar. And the reason why we do it is because it's an opportunity. God doesn't need something from us. He wants something for us. It's this opportunity for you and I to be involved in what he's doing. The church has the ability to meet the needs of the community, to do all that God's called it to. But oftentimes we get stuck in the same place that the disciples did, where they looked at their fish and they looked at their loaves and they said, but we only have. How many times do you look at your bank account and go, if I only had. (laughs) You ever drive by that car lot? You see that Tesla, and you think, Lord, if I, only, if I only had a bigger truck or a bigger house or a bigger paycheck. And, and some of us get stuck in that. Yeah. Jesus doesn't ask them to go find some food or some resources. He asks them to do inventory of what they already had. Right. When's the last time we did that? Like we stopped for a second and... And we really said, okay, God, what have you given me and how can I use it for your glory? Because God has given you and I, biblical, so, okay. There's prosperity, like biblical prosperity, and people avoid it all the time. Because we see pastors who end up with, you know, multi-million dollar jets and Rolls Royces, and then that becomes our standard of biblical prosperity, so we automatically think it's heretical or it's wrong. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying whether or not that's right. I think God does a way better job of judging that stuff than I do. However, if you and I don't believe that God desires to bless us, we miss the majority of the Old Testament and the New Testament. God does desire to bless us, but biblical prosperity is actually summed up in this word called stewardship. Which means you and I use what we have to glorify and honor God, and because we're faithful with little, He entrusts us with much. The reason why we don't have much is because we probably ain't faithful with little. Think about, when's the last time you and I thought like ending world hunger was even a possibility? Today we saw it could be if the local church stepped up. So you and I have all that we need to do, all that God's called us to do. And For most of us, the increase, what we have, comes in the form of a weekly paycheck or a bi-weekly paycheck. If, if you get paid quarterly, that's rough, right? You got way better budget and skills than I do. So it comes in and we do an inventory of what we've been given. Here's the second thing. Tithing is placing what you have in God's hands. Tithing is placing what you have in God's hands. I'm going to invite Matt up with me for a second. Can you give it up for Matt? So most of us um, recognize what we have, but here's where we get stuck. We look at it and we go, this ain't enough. We only have. 
So we look at all that God's given us. This may be your paycheck. And the reality is most people in America live paycheck to paycheck. It's just the way it works. So we, we live paycheck to paycheck. And the disciples are looking at this problem and realize that there is no way what they have can actually feed 5,000. What they have can feed themselves. They've got five loaves of bread, two fish. Not my preferred meal, but they can feed themselves with that. Whenever you and I realize that what we have in our hands is not enough to do all that God has called us to do, there has to be a transition of power. And the transition of power is actually the releasing of, the transition of control is the releasing of power. So look at Luke chapter 9 verse 16. So the disciples have this fish and this bread and then they give it to Jesus. Jesus takes the bread. Matt's going to play Jesus for me. It's a good, it's a good deal. So now that it's in the hands of Jesus, what could feed a family can now feed 5,000. It's not until we release what we've been given that God's able to pour blessing out onto it. Because the moment it stays in my hands, I'm still the one in control. It's the reason why God talks about money so much. is because we like to be in control. How many of you like to be in control? The rest of y'all liars, right? Come on. We love to be in control. I, I don't... I don't know that, like, when, when I first started tithing, you know the biggest, like, the hardest part of it was? 10% felt like it was going to kill me. Like, 10% was like, oh, man, there's no way I can do this. But I had a mentor at the time, and we were talking about tithing, and, and uh, I was in ministry. I was serving as a youth pastor, and I wasn't tithing, right? So I'm, t- I'm just telling you, don't feel bad. I was talking with my mentor, and he said, hey, Nick, if you, if you never learn how to write $100 checks, you'll never learn how to write $100,000 checks. Because here's what we think. We think that if, we're not, if we have more money, then we'll give more. But that's not what statistics show us. The more you make, the less you give. It's the discipline of learning how to give faithfully, faithfully when you don't feel like it's enough that releases the blessing over your life to give out of the abundance that God entrusts you with. And the reason why most of us don't tie, the reason why most of us don't give, is because the truth is, I don't really trust God to take care of us. I know that when it's in my hands, I know where every bit of it goes, and I know everything that's going on with it. But the moment I let go of it, I don't know how Jesus is going to do a miracle with it. He just told me he'd take it. And somehow, five loaves and two fish was going to feed 5,000. So look at what Jesus does. He takes the bread, and then... He looks up to heaven and he thanks God for it. That's incredible. You know what's good about that? Is every time you and I give at the beginning of the month, it's the opportunity for us to thank God for increase. To thank God for what he's given us. But then Jesus does something interesting. He gave thanks and then he broke it. He broke the bread and he gave it to the disciples in pieces to distribute it to the people. Now, I will tell you, this is the hardest part about tithing is that you give God, I gave God a loaf of bread, I expect two loaves of bread in return. I give God a loaf of bread, he gave me a piece of bread. You ever felt like that? Like, 
oh, I'm so grateful that I trusted God with my money and trusted God with my finances, but I feel like I don't have enough. I still don't have enough to feed all these people. I still don't have enough to take care of my family. What am I going to do? So the disciples then go and they give the pieces to the people. And then they have to come back to Jesus and get another piece. And the reason why this is important and the reason why I want to teach you this about money is because sometimes we feel like giving is a way for us to get out of the control of God. But God doesn't design his ecosystem where you and I exist without him. So they give a piece of bread, then they have to come back for more. And they come back and they get a little bit more and they go back and they do all that God's called them to do. And they give it away to the people and they give it to them. I'm going to hit my wife with bread. And they give it to them. And they keep giving it away. And every time they give it away, they have to come back. And then eventually, everybody has enough food. You cannot do all that God has called you to holding on to what he's given you. Because in your hands, it will only feed a family, but in God's, it will feed 5,000. The way that the local church moves forward and the way that we reach our community, sometimes the greatest way to reach someone spiritually is to first fill their stomach, then get to their heart and soul. God has equipped the local church to do this. He's equipped the local church to meet needs. But it's got to start with every single one of us individually transitioning control so that God can release power over our finances. Can we thank Matt real quick? Here's the third thing. Letting go of what we have allows us to be a part of the miracle. I wonder at the beginning of this journey, the disciples were concerned because people were hungry. They were hungry. I wonder if they looked at it and they were like, you know, we could dip back into the green room. (laughs) We could, there's 12 of us, there's five loaves, two fish. I think we can make this math work. What if we just kept it? What if we ate it ourselves? But until they let it go, they never got to be a part of the miracle. And, And look at how Jesus even designs the miracle. He doesn't just set up a tent. And everybody comes in and just picks up their own food. They give it to Jesus. Jesus gives it back to them. And then they get to distribute it to the people. Yeah, Jesus did the miracle. And that's how it will always work. But you and I get to be involved in it. We get to be a part of it. We get to play a role in it. And then when we let it go, when we let go of what we have, Luke chapter 9 verse 17 says they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. I love that because every person that was there got to benefit from the willingness of a few people who chose to let go of something. You say, well, pastor, like, God, if you say God doesn't need my money, why doesn't he just end world hunger? Why doesn't he just take care of that stuff already? Because he's already put it in our pockets. Right. He's already given us everything we needed to do it. He's just waiting on us to be obedient and actually come together to be a part of the miracle because we can do more together than we can apart. Right. Uh, a few months ago, I was... Um, you ever get like bored at work? And so you're working on something and you are just like, man, I'm in a creative block. I got I to gotta do something for a few minutes. 
So I went to Google Earth, and, uh, and Google Earth is a little creepy because it's like satellite imaging of everything. And so I ended up in uh, a little town called Conocine, Mexico. It's right in the Yucatan Peninsula. And the reason why I ended up there is several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Mexico and be a part of building a church that was down there. So I didn't really know where the church was uh, located. I just knew where the market was and kind of like retraced my steps till I found the building. But when I got there in Google Earth, I could see the roof that we built. There were actually some people outside. And, and it got to like, for me, for just a moment, I got to step back and go, that's my roof. Like, I was a part of that. I, I did that. And when you and I give, like what happened that week is I just gave my time. I went and used the gifts. At that time, it wasn't gifts, right? I could haul concrete bags uh, upstairs and, and use those gifts. And then God did something incredible. And now I get to step back and say, man, I was a part of something that was bigger than just me. People in Mexico have a church that they get to go to, and, and it's an incredible experience. And I can't speak for every church organization because I know that for some of us, we've been in churches that have mismanaged money. We've been uh, through organizations that have had scandals when it comes to money. So it puts a little bit of a distrust in our disposition towards churches and organizations. But let me tell you where your money goes towards. So last year, this is what you were a part of. Um, last year, as an organization, we were able to give $54,607.30 away, which was 16% of what came in for us as an organization. So that's something to celebrate. So here's, here's what we teach tithing, and we practice tithing. As an organization, I'm going to tell you, we ain't never going to ask you to do something that we won't do ourselves. So we don't just tithe, we don't just give 10%, we give above 10% because we want to make sure that we're being good stewards of God's resources and we're continuing to give back to the community over and over and over again. Thanks to your generosity last year, 52 people made decisions for Jesus and 13 people went public with their faith through baptism. So come on, it's exciting. When the pandemic happened, people were terrified. They didn't know what they were going to do. Restaurants were closing down and people were concerned about how things were going to affect their families. And so thanks to your generosity, we stepped up and we provided financial resources for every single family member of the staff at Mount Pleasant Smokehouse. Thanks to your generosity, we sowed into ARC, a church planting organization that plants churches all around the world. We helped Blake and Kristen Harwood relocate to Africa to be missionaries over there. We helped Story Church in Bakersfield, California transition from portable to permanent. And Alive Church in Virginia do the same thing. And I'm going to tell you, there were times last year where for us as an organization, money got tight. I'm going to say, tight, tight. <laughs> and do you know what we do when money gets tight? We write checks. We write checks. We wrote our largest checks last year when we had our biggest need for money as an organization. Because in our hands, it don't multiply. But in God's hands, it does. Last year... We needed a loan to finish the work in this facility. It was going to cost us. We had spent money and a lot of money getting in here. And we've got a great deal. We're 
doing the work in exchange for rent. So we don't have a huge overhead for rent every month. Um, but uh, we got to the place last year where in March, nobody was doing work on facilities anymore. And not only that, we kind of ran out of money. And so we were looking at taking on a loan to finish the remaining bits of the work. The problem was uh, our finances look great, our numbers look great, but we're not old enough as a church. For banks, they want you to be 10 years old as an organization. We just turned five. So they, they didn't want to touch us. 23 banks. I got to sit in 23 no conversations. And so when we got, we were at like 22 or so. And I, I looked at Allie and Allie and I, she's our executive director. I was like, we're just going to start finding churches that are going into building campaigns and we're just going to start giving them money. We're going to start sowing and investing and doing all we can there. And so we do that. And then out of the blue, this loan opportunity opens up. We were looking at loans that were in the like uh, 9 to 14% interest rate range. And we ended up with a loan with a 2.5% interest rate, like, which is ridiculous. And God just continued to open doors. But it's because we just chose to release it. We chose to let go. When you need money the most, I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is place it in the hands of God. Because the more you hoard the less blessing you have over your finances. But when you choose to open yourself up and give freely, man, God pours out blessing and favor. And so we call this a 90-day giving challenge because it's really not just about tithing. If, if you give your 10% back to God but still hold control of the other 90, you miss the purpose of tithing. Tithing is trusting. So if... We believe, and we say this from time to time, that God can do way more with my 90 than I could ever do with my 100. We believe that. But if I retain control of my 90, I'm still in control. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 is where the 90-day giving challenge comes from. But if you go back to verse 8, it says, will you rob me? This is God talking to them. Will you rob me of both tithes and offerings? But then verse 10 says this. Hey, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. The 90-day giving challenge for us is that over the course of the next 90 days, we invite you on a journey to take your next step. And maybe it's to start tithing. Maybe it's to start trusting God with 11% and beyond, I'm not gonna tell you what you need to give. Here's what I will say. If you wanna take that journey with us over the next 90 days, you can. And as you take that journey, we're gonna give you resources and I'm gonna send you weekly emails and we're gonna encourage you along the way. But if you get to the end of those 90 days and you feel like God hasn't blessed you, we'll give every dime of your giving back. Now, do us a favor. If you're going to give and you're going to do it, let us know you're taking the challenge. Give online. Give through. If you just drop random cash, there's no way we can trace that back to you. Right? And if you come back and you say, Pastor, I gave a million dollars, I'm going to be like, you're lying. Right? <laughs> but we'd love to take the journey with you. I've been doing this. So I've only, we've only been in existence as a church for nine years, five years. But I've been doing the night of giving challenge for nine years long time. I've 
never had anybody get to the end of that challenge and say, I feel like God didn't bless me. Because when you and I, God gives us this opportunity to test him. And when we test him, here's what we find. When you test God, you find out you can trust him. That he's faithful. And that he will do what he says he'll do. And so this is probably not your typical giving message. But my whole goal for today was to show you that God has probably given you way more than you realize. And in your hands, it'll feed you. But if you consume and consume and consume, it will never satisfy. Can you pull up Luke 9 verse 17 one more time? It says that they all ate and were satisfied. And there were leftovers. Most of us, when we look at our finances, we wouldn't say that we're satisfied. And we definitely ain't saying that there's leftovers. But when you trust God with your finances, that's what comes to pass. E- even now, you know, we're, I've been telling you for a month now, we're, we're a few weeks out from being in the auditorium. And that's still true. We're a few weeks out. <laughs> but you know, the auditorium cost us an extra like $33,000 to do above what we, we told you guys it was going to originally cost us just based on the work that was needed. And we didn't have to come back to you and say, hey, we need more money. You know why? There were leftovers. There were leftovers. We, we, what we were approved for in the loan was enough to cover what was actually needed because God is just good like that, and he provides. So if you want to take the 90-day giving challenge, here's how you do it. Just go to propel.church slash 90 days. There's a little button on that tab. It says, uh, take the challenge. I'm in. And if you want to do that, I'm going to resource you over the next 90 days and continue to encourage you on your journey as you trust God financially. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. It's all good. We're excited for what's ahead. Because I believe when you start trusting God financially, you see doors open up that you never thought were possible. And we're going to be sharing some stories with you along the journey of people just like you who were taking the night at Giving Challenge in years past. But today we talked about you know, money fighting for the affection of our heart. And I think for most of us, we bank on finances as a savior. I think if we just have enough money, we can protect ourselves and save ourselves. But Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's not about how big your bank account is. It's not about how big your resources are. It's only Jesus. So for today, with every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, Maybe you've put your hope and trust in money. Maybe you've put your hope and trust in stuff and the accumulation of wealth. Today, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, here's the opportunity to do so. If you want to make that decision today, would you just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. Here's what we're going to do. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, Today, I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.